why we have our citizenship in heaven and how are we supposed to act? How are we supposed to act differently than the world who has a complete different citizenship? One that is marked for destruction and hell. We'll see that in the following. But to give us a little bit of context about, I think it's really important for us to know what is being talked about in this book. So the book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul, as was a lot of books in the New Testament, but it was written by the Apostle Paul to the church of Philippi. And the one neat thing about Philippi is that the more I started to research more about the city of Philippi, the more I thought of it as really the town of Mayo, which may be kind of uh, a stretch, but what was interesting to me is the more I read about it is that Philippi was just a few miles away from a very, very big city called, uh, where, where is it? Neapolis. I was going to say Crete, but it's Neapolis. It's very close to Neapolis, which was a very big trade city. And what would happen was is that you have this really big city, and what it would do is it would take this road straight through Philippi, and it would go all the way to Rome. So you know, like the saying, all roads, all roads lead to Rome. The road that led to Rome from Neapolis went straight through Philippi. And you see, in this town of Philippi, people would stay overnight. They would trade here. They would get their provisions. And the more I thought about it, like, isn't the, isn't the town of Mile kind of like that? Isn't it kind of unique how many people we meet crossing through here? You get people from Detroit on their way up north. You get people from Ann Arbor going all the way up north, from Bertrand, from Frankenmuth, from Ohio, bless their heart, <laughs> you know. You, you, get all, you get all sorts of people that come through here because they're on their way to somewhere else. It's kind of a town where they stop, they fuel up, they grab some food, you meet around to some people, and then they're on their way. And that's really what the town of Philippi was. It wasn't anything amazing about it. They had a couple of you know, major trade factories that they had, but the really big commodity was to greet people and to send them on their way. And what happened was is that all these different people were coming from all corners of the world, people going to Neapolis, people coming from and going to Rome, and there's so many different kinds of people in here that the people of the church of Philippi started to be confused. Because there are so many different people coming in and coming out, and these people believe this, and these people believe that. So they started to become confused, like what is the true gospel? What is actually supposed to be going on? So this is the context of what Philippi actually is. It's this sort of drive-through town where everyone would kind of melt together and mix, and they say, I believe this, I believe that, and what really is their beliefs? And they started to become confused by what they really needed to believe. So what Paul did is he, Paul, he wrote a letter to the church of Philippi explaining, hey, this is the faith, you need to stay with it, and you need to make sure that you've got your citizenship all, all straightened out. So looking through this, let's start in verse 17, we'll read through again. Brethren, be followers together of me. And mark them which walk so, as ye have, for an example. It says in sample, but we can also translate that word as example. So the first verse that Paul is saying to these people is saying, you need to follow others who are also being a Christ-like example. The first thing we need to realize is that as Christians, as saved people, we are to be examples not only to the world, but to other Christians. We are to be examples to other people in the church to the community as well. Paul is writing this, and it, it almost seems kind of vain for him to claim to follow me. Because it feels like Paul, when he's writing all of his books, he's always saying, follow Christ, follow Christ. You know, look after the things of God. But what he's saying here is he's reminding them that people also see you as Christians, and they follow you. Every single one of you in this church is being looked up to someone 
or is being looked up as someone. Every one of you are, is, is being an example to someone, whether it be your, your children or your spouse or a younger person in the church, whether you're a Sunday school teacher. Everyone is looking at you, no matter, no matter if you think it or you want it, someone is always looking at you, and they want to be like you. We are to be an example, not only to the church, but also to people in the community as well, as we'll see in later verses. But for this first verse, he's saying, hey, we as the church of Christ are being examples to each other as well, and how we're supposed to build up each other. So in the very first verse, we can see we're supposed to be examples in the church. Let's look at verse 18. For many, of, for many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 18, that there are enemies of the cross of Christ. As I said earlier, in this church, we are all supposed to be examples, not only to each other, but also to the world, to the people out there in the community. And we are to be aware that the people in the world are trying to discourage us. They're trying to destroy us, not physically. In In some areas of the world, they really are trying to destroy us, but they're trying to destroy our ideas. They're trying to destroy the face of Christ. And we must realize that there are people in the world trying to come in and attack us. And us as Christians, it's kind of a common theme for us to always be told to defend the faith. To always be ready to give an answer. Always being ready to defend our position no matter what. To always follow Christ. But it kind of wears us down from time to time. It is something that is very easy for us to continue walking in the faith but still being discouraged on a daily basis because... It's in, our, it's in our workplaces. For some of you at home, it's there as well. For those who don't have a, a wonderful home situation, sometimes there's a struggle between you and your spouse or you and your children, and it's grinding on you. And it's hard because the world is constantly at you. It's constantly everywhere around us. It's at the grocery store we go to. It's wherever we try to seek our entertainment. It is very hard for us to find good, clean entertainment these days, is it not? It is hard for us to find a TV show or a movie or go to a place to have some fun without it being some suggestive themes in there. Because the world is always attacking us. It's always the enemies of the cross of Christ. So the first thing we look at in verse 17 is that we're supposed to be examples, not only to us, but also to the community, but also that the people of this community are trying to destroy us. Whether they say it or whether they go out into really actually do it against us and try to talk against us or to preach against us, if they will, the world is always against us. But let's look in verse 19, and this is where I want to park for a lot of it. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. As I said earlier, the world is trying to destroy us And it is hard for us because we're constantly being fought against. We're constantly going against the grain of this world. But look in verse 19. We know our end, but the world doesn't know their end. But Paul gives us a glimpse of what their end is. We'll read it again. Whose end is destruction. They're lost. Whether they admit it or whether they choose to ignore it, but they are completely lost. They are on their way to hell for eternity. Whether they know it or whether they choose to accept it, but they are. Whose end is destruction. Look at the, look at the next thing. Whose God 
is their belly. Pastor has done a great job going through the book of 1 Peter and talking about really what the world wants. How the world really portrays wanting the next thing in life. It's always interesting when you meet someone in the community and they're talking about the next thing they want to do. Oh, you know, I want, we want to get to this next part. Financially, we want to get to this next part as far as having fun in our lives. We want to try this new thing. This, this new thing will finally make me happy. But they realize that they're just like, let, let's read again. Whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. All of these things that they're going through, they're trying to please themselves, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame. I, th- I think it's very interesting how true the Bible is in certain, in certain areas. Have you ever met someone who really enjoyed to go out partying and drinking and going crazy and doing all those things, and then they talk about how funny it was that they were out doing all these crazy things. Oh, it was so funny. You should have seen it. They were walking all around the floor, and they were falling down and doing all these crazy things. And oh, how funny it was. I had such a good time. Their glory is in their shame. They glory after the things that we see. It's humiliating. How is that fun for you? How do you laugh and have fun when you're being so shameful, when you're acting this certain way? we realize that the people of this world are lost. Their end is destruction. They don't know any better. And it's up to us to tell them what their final destiny is. It's destruction. They're humiliating themselves. Look at the last, look at the last part that he says. Who mind earthly things. They're always looking for the next thing. They're always trying to get that next earthly thing. They're always focused on the things around them, never focusing on the future. Us as, us as Christians, and we'll see this in the, next, the last two verses, us as Christians, we have our eternal hope. We're looking forward to the things to come. But the people of this earth, they're only, figuring, they're only looking at the things around them. They're only looking for that next financial you know, satisfaction. They're looking for that next drug satisfaction. They're looking for the next gratification, whatever it may be. But it comes to destruction. So in verse 17, we can see that Verse 17, we're supposed to be followers and examples. 18, we can see how the people are always against us. Verse 19, we can see what their end is. And now look at our end. In verse 20, he, tr- he transitions and looks at us as Christians. Verse 20, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we took for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The word conversation there, for our conversation is in heaven, also can be translated as our citizenship. And that's where we're getting the main topic of our message. For our citizenship is in heaven. As we stated earlier, the people of this world are always focused on the earthly things. But isn't it great to know that us as Christians, this world is not our home. This world is not our home. We have a place in heaven where we'll be transformed. We will have a new body, we'll have a new life, and it'll be so much better than the things of this earth. And we should be excited about that, amen? We should be excited about the things that we have, not right now, because this world is not our home. We can see in the future that our citizenship is not here on earth. It is in heaven. And we can look forward to that. We can look forward to the great things to come. And he finalizes that in verse 21. Let's, see, let's, let's read verse 21. Who shall change our vile body, that may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby... 
he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Verse 21, we can see that he will change our bodies and that will be fashioned unto his glorious body. The one thing that I want to look at as, as we park here for a little bit is that I listed a lot of things in verse 19 about the world. Who's ended destruction. They, they want the things to please their body. They're following after these things. But how often, as Christians, do we also seek those things? It is easy for us to look at the things of the world and to want them because it seems like they have everything that they want. It doesn't matter how rich that you get, they're always going to want the next thing, but it also seems like we always want certain things as well. We always want that next thing. We always want to have more fun, and it feels like the world is offering that to us. But we realize that is just a temptation. But it's easy for us to lose our glimpse, to lose sight of where we are actually, because yes, here we are in, in Mile, Michigan right now at, at, at church, but it's also easy for us to follow after the things of this world because that is what our eyes are seeing. We are seeing the, the so-called fun that the world is having. We are seeing the toys that the world has. We are seeing the status that the world has. And even though we know we are saved, even though we know that we have a home in heaven and that this world is not our home, it's so easy for us to focus and to get tunnel vision and to look at the things of the world and say, wow, they're having so much fun. I want that as well. But we must realize that this world is not our home. We must realize that no matter how fun the world looks, it is shallow. It is empty. It is a hollowness. It is not going to fulfill us. There is nothing that the world will give us. There is no path that the world can take us on that will be better than what God has given us right now. And that is a home in heaven. And that is knowing what our future is, and knowing that we have a home in heaven. I've said it many, many times, but this world is not our home. It was so easy for us to lose sight of that. So today, I want to remind you that this world is not ours. It is not for us to follow after, to try and seek out pleasure, to seek out fame and happiness and status and wealth, but it's for us to bring a light to the community, to be an example to the church, but also to be an example to the community as well. I want to end with a story that is not mine, so I'll, I will have to give credit to where credit is due. When I was down in Pensacola, uh, Pastor Jeff Redland, if you don't know who he is, he's an excellent speaker. Pastor Jeff Redland is the, the preacher at, um, is, is, the crown, is the crown center, but they call it Campus Church. And he closed one of the services with this, and it really, it really changed how I looked at my life. And he said that he went and visited an elderly lady, she was way up in her, her 90s, I think she was 96, 97 at the time, and she had cancer and, and she wasn't going to try and fight it and she was just at home just waiting for, for the Lord to take her home. And they, they knew that she wasn't doing well and they were saying that it might be a couple days before, before she passes. So Pastor Redland went out there and he talked with her and said, how are you feeling? And, you know, talked with her, had some normal conversation. And she closed by saying this to Pastor Ellen. This changed my life forever. And she said, you know what? She goes, I'm ready to go home. She says, I'm ready to go home. She was in her home. She was home. What, what does the world think of that when someone says, I want to go home? And the, you're, you're in your home. Are you okay? Like, are you mentally there? She goes, no. I'm ready to go home. 
She knew her time was ready. She was looking forward to the life that she was going to get in heaven. A new body. A new transformation to be like Christ and to be with him. I want to encourage you. The things that this world offers is shallow, is hollow, and will never suffice. But friends, we have a wonderful citizenship for us in heaven. A wonderful transformation. And I hope that I was able to bring that to you and to show you that the world is not ours, but our citizenship is in heaven. Dearly Father, we just thank you so much for this time that you've given me to really explain what it means to be living not in this world, but to be living for you. How we will follow after the things, not of this world, because we can see what the world offers us. We just pray that we will follow after you and not the things of this earth. We just thank you for the time that you've given me to, to come and to really portray what I believe you've laid on my heart, Lord. I just pray that they will take it to heart and that they will apply this to their lives, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I appreciate that, Tim. A very, very poignant reminder of who we are in Christ and our citizenship is in heaven. And you made a point about the world not understanding us or getting it. Uh, they're trying to find their joy, like he said, in things and toys and whatever. And you and I, we can each this afternoon on this still beautiful fall afternoon, uh, you and I, we can go home to our, our homes and uh, modest compared to the movie stars and all those folks. And we can have a perfectly pleasant and enjoyable evening, can we not? Amen. We, we really can. And we don't need all the toys. We don't need all the finery. Uh, we can enjoy the sunshine of a beautiful fall evening. So, a good reminder, and I, I appreciate that, Tim. Also, I appreciate the very thoughtful gifts this morning. I want to thank Marika and Cindy Eigenbrod. I found out for the M&Ms and the, that's what it says, Sweet Preacher Pork Rub. So, where'd you find that? Walmart. Okay, don't everybody rush out to Walmart to get this, but uh, I appreciate it. Do I? I get one every Sunday. All right, Sharon, we got to buy a bunch of pork. All right. Um, uh, also, if uh, any of you, uh, probably guys, that would have some time to spend up in the balcony, Going, you know, we need to re-light re some of those deer up there, and you can work in your time frame, and uh, we'll we'll purchase the lights to, that we need to replace it. But uh, that'd be a pretty easy job, just working. We can put a table up there. You can put them up on it. So if you can help with that anytime over the next couple of weeks, just let me know. All right. Are there any other announcements before we go this evening? Anybody else? Any other announcements? Make sure Friday, Friday evening, I hope you'll come. And uh, even more importantly than that, Wednesday night, we started a, a brand new series from the book of Habakkuk. And I am so pleased that my mom uh, watches the services down in Louisiana. And she even said, she said, you know, she said, I don't know that I've ever heard 
a message, much less a series, from Habakkuk. And I said, I don't know that I have either. So uh, I enjoyed last week. I think it was helpful to the people that were here. And uh, I hope and pray it'll be helpful to the ones that'll be here Wednesday night. So let's stand as we're dismissed in prayer this evening or this afternoon. And again, thank you for being here. I hope you can go home and have a pleasant and restful Sunday afternoon. That's one of the blessings of us uh, moving the, the, what used to be evening service up to the afternoon service. I know people with little ones that can be kind of challenging when it messes up their naps. But overall, I think the, the good outweighs the bad. So I hope you do have a, a, a pleasant afternoon this evening. And Tim, thank you for the message this afternoon. Choir practice, right? All right, choir, you come after I pray. Let's be dismissed in prayer. Dear Lord, again, our hearts today are with the Johnsons family and with Tyler in particular. And Lord, I, I just pray that uh, tomorrow, uh, your, your will will be done. Your perfect will will be done. And at the same time, give that family grace. Help us, Lord, to be a witness for you, a good testimony for Christ, as Tim preached this afternoon. Help us to serve you. Be with the choir now, Lord. We so appreciate them and their great contribution each week. Bless their practice. See us home safely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you. You are dismissed. Thank mm-hmm. you.